Hello, Covey Clubbers. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I have a great interview for you today. Boy, this is a superstar from the fashion industry. Do you remember Carol Lee Jewelry? She was an icon when I started out at Women's Wear Daily. She was just like a foundational name. Um, she made fabulous costume jewelry. She had 700 premier retail stores where her stuff was available. And then Carol Lee, we call her just Carol Lee because she's now, you know, it's like Cher, right? But it's actually Carol Lee Friedlander, but you can just call it Carol Lee. Um, she sold her business in 2001 and decided that she wanted to do more. She wasn't done. And she created Access Circles, which you'll hear about. Um, and she's done everything. I mean, She's been uh, a member of the Women's Leadership Board at the JFK Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University and a director of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. She went to Bennington College and has always had an artsy streak as she talks about it, um, which made her what she called a little off-center so that um, she was able to find her way as an entrepreneur. And Access Circles is really like the high end of networking, connecting for women. Um, you'll hear a lot about that. And she also has created a subgroup within Access Circles, which is called the Women's Health Access Matters. And they focus on fixing bias in research and accelerating scientific discovery in women's health. Like, for instance, figuring out a way to make sure that biological researchers don't discard or, or prevent female mice from being in their studies, if you can believe that still goes on today. Anyway, just want to welcome you to meet Carol Lee. So I want to welcome the great Carol Lee, and we're going to use just her single name because she's so famous that all we need to say is Carol Lee. <laughs> well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Oh, good. So, Carol Lee, let's talk about your past history. I will give the intro to your whole bio in the in the uh, intro that I do for you, talking about your uh, your company, your accessory company, which was tremendously successful, and all the boards you've sat on, and all of that. But when you sold your business, you did not have to do anything ever again. I assume. Am I correct? I. I think that you could say that in terms of if if what we look at is financial security uh, right. as a as a criteria that might be correct. Depends and on your so, lifestyle choices, obviously. Right. right. <laughs> but you decided to create access circles and explain what it mm -hmm. is because it's extremely high end. You're at the high end mm -hmm. of networking for women. Um, and I was always mm -hmm. curious until I met you as to, you know, why did she pick such the high end? It's invitation only, it's swanky, 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 um, and it's focused mostly on health. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, what Access Circles mm -hmm. is? Mm -hmm. I think what happens is that throughout our careers, we develop networks, and those networks, if, if you really focus on them, become uh, a very strong ecosystem for how we are and who we are and how we might be as people um, and in our professional and personal careers. So it, I had always, uh, so to speak, collected people and experiences as the most important part of my life. And it was easy then for me, once I sold my business, to say, 
one of my greatest assets was that I knew a vast number of extraordinary women, many of them uh, leaders in their communities, many of them CEOs, many of them uh, of large corporations, and many of them entrepreneurs. It was a cross-section, so I, I, I don't really um, identify it so much by um, uh, by monetary or financial uh, success as I do by uh, personal success. I get it. Okay. Sure. So it's level. It's the, these were like the top people who were around. These were the women who I got to know, you know, these mm-hmm. were the, these were the leaders. Um, mm-hmm. So whether they were leaders in business or communities, as mm-hmm. I said, or entrepreneurs. And, and so that I just, I, I seem to attract and get to know and, and, and uh, a vast number of very successful women. That's part of it. And then the other part, I think, which is a very important part of my past is that I led uh, for a number of years and was the chair of a uh, business women's organization called the Committee of 200, which at the time was probably 450 of the leading business women in the country with, again, very high criteria for entry and uh, also led its foundation. And through that affiliation, I also got to know them uh, a vast, very well, a vast number of very senior leading women in the country. So listen, that's where I happen to wind up. Um, and I think that's, you know, you do create your network and your circle of friends and, and circle of influence and, and uh, personal boardroom through the, that, those connections that you make throughout your life, throughout your career. And Access Circles is not just about getting together and, and lunching and learning. You are actually funding major breakthroughs or attempting to fund major breakthroughs in research mm-hmm. and things like that. Can you explain a little bit about what you've done? Because that, that was kind of mind-blowing for me. Sure. So Access Circles, so what happened was that I then decided that one of my greatest assets, uh, and this is something that's important because I'll, I'll come to this later in the conversation, uh, as to how do you determine that? How do you figure out what, what your next gig is if you want one and what what might that look like? And so Yes, to your earlier question, I decided that I wasn't going to go run another company or create another company. I had been there, done that, um, and and had just a wonderful career, wonderful time, and loved every minute of it. But I was at a point in my life where I really wanted to do something that was far more enriching for me intellectually, emotionally engaging, uh, and would allow me to influence in a very positive way um, women and I had no idea at the time that I really started it, and, and eventually health to the extent that I think we can. So um, Access Circles brings together, therefore, um, like you said, significant women to help them um, manage their their health decisions, their their life planning decisions. So rather than financial planning, because all financial planning is planning about your life, because women are going to live to be 100, and so you need to be doing that. Um, and so in developing Access Circles, what I realized was that there was a great opportunity uh, to understand more about women's health. And that was when I discovered that there were huge inequities uh, in women's health and uh, that women, uh, for example, had not been included in clinical trials up until 1993. And female mice were not included in clinical trials until 2018. And the data just goes on and on. So I think it's important for women to understand that there are these vast inequities. And uh, we launched an initiative of access circles called WAM, Women's Health Access Matters, with the objective then of aligning with the leading institutions in this country who have a focus on women's health research 
and with specifically funding certain projects that are important, we feel, uh, to the future well-being of women. Can you talk about what you've, one or two that you've funded that were successful? Because I know you mentioned to me raising significant amounts of money, just sitting in a room. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no question. So um, the first two projects that we funded uh, are with two of our uh, partners, which are Harvard, uh, the Connor Center, and Women's Health Research at Yale. And those two institutions are two of the leaders, really, in this field of making sure that women are equally uh, researched and equally part of drug trials and all kinds of uh, necessary device diagnostic trials. And with the uh, with the objective of um, improving uh, prevention, diagnosis, treatment, and outcomes for women. So that that's the uh, one of the lenses by which we'd look at all of this. And the other thing that I think it's very important to understand is that women um, have disease differently, exhibit disease differently than men. We're different down to the cellular level. So right. um, we have diseases exclusively, predominantly, or differentially. Uh, if you look at breast cancer, for example, 98% right. women. You look at Alzheimer's, it's, women are twice as likely to have Alzheimer's. So right. there are many diseases that afflict women and, by, and for which there's not enough research. Right. Um, because research is not done based on how many people are afflicted. It's done very, very differently. And so, therefore, there's a a great need for a lot more research. Two of the uh, projects that we funded, the first one uh, was at Harvard, and it's called Novel Pathways to Heart Disease. And it really is understanding women's heart disease uh, and how we're going to be treating the the different modalities and different ways that we could treat heart disease in women. Um, And then the second is a sleep study program uh, at Yale. Sleep's a big topic for us. Huge. That's our big topic. Sleep at Yale. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that uh, shows the uh, impact of uh, sleep on our brains and therefore as a possible link to to dementia, uh, depression, and other brain disorders. We all need sleep. And, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I wish you were here or come on up for uh, we're hosting a, a, one of our programs um, called uh, Eat, Sleep, Move, oh. uh, because those are the three those are the three modalities that yeah. are going to keep us all very healthy. So that's great. That, yeah, no, I think everybody. I mean, it's interesting. Um, sleep is one of our. We have a whole channel de- devoted to sleep now <laughs> um, because it's so fundamental to everybody. And that's exactly. I mean, and it's, and so little and we don't again. Get it. Well, we don't get it. And the other thing is that um, a lot of the sleep studies don't include women. So if you don't include women who have different sleep disorders than men, then it's not one size fits all. Women are not little men. Right. And and so you have to really uh, understand that, especially women, as they go through different life changes, whether it's the arrival of a baby uh, through menopause, uh, these all of these different parts of our lives affect our sleep Mm -hmm. and sleep is one of the most important it's been so you know so really um, not focused on as one of the main ways of creating healthy uh, beings so uh, we're very much like you then Uh, this is a topic that's very important to us yeah Um, let's talk a little bit about you and all the things that you've done and how you've been a pioneer because you really 
were a pioneer. I knew your name long before I met you, obviously being in the fashion business. You were just a brand name that I knew. And um, mm -hmm. it was, you were just part of the foundation of everything I came into as a, a reporter um, at Women's Wear Daily or any of the magazines. And what I love is when I was looking at some of the history of you, where it says um, that you already owned your business and your home, but when you went to the Greenwich Bank that you wanted to mm -hmm. get a loan from, they told you you had to have your husband co-sign. So, <laughs> seems like a long time ago, but yeah, uh, it seems like a long time ago. But I'm not, you know, I'm. I hope that things have, and I know that they've changed somewhat. Um, listen, back then, that's a number of years ago. Back right. then. Um, Lending wasn't as uh, perhaps um, mm, uh, favorable to women as it I, I hope it is today. Uh, so it was a condition which I, I infuriated me then, and still, uh, I when I think about it, uh, it's just one of the many ways in which uh, bias has existed. So one of my goals is not I can't change everything. Right. Uh, clearly, you know, women are fifty-one percent of the population in this country they're the economic engine of this country women own businesses employ more people than the fortune 500 companies mm -hmm. combined mm -hmm. uh so i hope that women today have an easier time than i did as an early entrepreneur uh in in getting funding and i believe they do and there are many ways many new channels of funding that women have today that i just didn't have so i just thought that was horrific but you know that was my independent uh, feminine feminist streak, which I, I suspect I still have. Look at what I'm doing. <laughs> yes, I think you're quite independent and quite feminist. Right. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, um, again, another quote that I found from you that I love, where you said, I think a lot of my success is due to the fact that I would not take no for an answer, and none of you should either. Can you talk a little bit about that? Having raised a, a daughter who are our big fights were all about why does the conversation begin at no? That's supposed to be mm -hmm. the end of the conversation trying to raise a child. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yet, yeah. you know, and now she's an amazing adult and it's great, but it, it's a, it, how do you balance those two? And, and no, as an adult, yes, you have to, you can't let people turn you away. Uh, you know, I think at the beginning I was so brash and just had so much uh, gumption and perseverance and desire to succeed and need to succeed. And I think, let's just put this in context, I grew up in a one-bedroom, one-bath apartment near the George Washington Bridge. So I'm not, I didn't grow up with, in a privileged uh, uh, lifestyle, so to speak, um, of, of either great wealth or substance um, in, in that sense. Uh, and... I I think that I was just always um, uh, the kind of uh, tomboy kid that wanted to win, wanted to be best, mm. wanted to succeed. Um, and so part of that then is that you can't take no for an answer, right? Because, mm. you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to win, if you're going to be best, then you have to figure out how to get there. At the beginning, I think I was probably a, a bit too brash about it, but I think as I softened a little bit what I learned was so for example if I would be trying to sell a, a certain collection and the store would say no it just doesn't no it's just not right now no we don't have space no I mean it was no 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 and you kind of listen you sit there and you listen 
And I think what I realized was that rather than saying, rather than pushing back, um, what I realized was that I had to come up with a way to convince them as mm -hmm. to why they needed this or why this was a good idea. What, how is I going to make it easier for them or how is I going to make them more successful? And yes. so I, I started learning phrases like, well, I wonder if we might consider trying and whatever, fill in the blank, or mm -hmm. somehow softening the ask to mm -hmm. be more inclusive of the person sitting across mm -hmm. the table rather than mm -hmm. just sort of combating, no, you, you know, well, wait, you really need to do this or you. And, and so I just eventually figured out ways of communication, honestly, that got me from no to, yeah, that could, yeah, let's try that. That could work. And so were those the phrases? Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are trying to sell things. So I sh I'm sure they would love to know. What were your top three phrases that you actually sure. used? Well, well, part of it is before you even get to the phrases, is part of it is listening. I mm -hmm. think listening skills are really key. Mm -hmm. And honestly, having, a, you know, a, unless you have a great memory, having a pad and, and, and pen or book of some kind and okay. making notes of keywords of what the person is saying. So uh -huh. let's say the in the case of, of, a, of the department store saying no space, no this, no that. Um, what I would do is make notes of those key words, but then I would try to come up with ideas and ways of expressing those ideas that would make them feel like they were their ideas for starters. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, yes, might, you can, might we consider is a good one. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think of the idea of Mm -hmm. What do you think of, so trying to get them to mm -hmm. um, fill in the blank and participate so that you're not pushing back. I think the thing with not taking no for an answer is we tend to push back and say, no, but yes. you've got to do this. You really need yes. this. You know, this is really going yes. to change. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Uh, I think it, somehow it has to be the person on the other side of the table it has to be their idea mm -hmm. and let mm -hmm. them drive it. And, mm -hmm. and our egos have to stand back. And sometimes that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Any other phrases? Um, yeah, any, any way that you might want to help me think through how we could do this, if not today, in a mm. couple of months. Oh, I like that. Any way you might. If we can't try this right now, and, and I like testing and trying rather yes. than, you know. Yes. Right? So, so it's not making someone commit to something completely. Right. Uh, can we do, you know, can we do a test? Can we try this? Or, um, okay, so let me understand if we can't, let me understand is a good one. Let me understand. Let me understand. Good. Oh, you're wonderful. Because, okay. <laughs> let me understand. Well, you know, it's too many years of trying to figure out how to communicate effectively, right? Right. Uh, let Absolutely. Me let, me, let me understand. So if we can't do this right now, and I appreciate that you're considering it, Remember, you're trying to get the person on the other side to really be on your team. Mm -hmm. um, if we can't do this right now, and I appreciate that you're considering it, can we, can we stay in touch? Like, let's talk in a month, and mm. I think I'll have some other ways that this might even work better for you. I see. Part of it is, again, keeping the channels of communication open as well. Because, yes, you yes, know, it's, yes. not, it's not a one-shot deal with, any, yes. with anything. It's this yes. building relationship, listening carefully to who that person is, who that partner is, is right. key. Building that relationship over time is key. Interesting. 
Um, let's talk about being off center. I think a lot of um, my readers would relate to that and my uh, listeners would relate to that. You talk about the fact that you are always a little off center. What does that mean and how is it an advantage and how is it a disadvantage? So I think, you know, throughout, throughout our careers and throughout our lives, we, we judge ourselves either by um, our friends, our family, other standards, ideals, whatever they might be. Um, and I think uh, at, at even, well, I, you know, today seems a little different because I'm a, a different generation now, but mm-hmm. I, I think even in looking at my granddaughters, um, certain things are acceptable, certain things aren't. We kind of want to fit into a particular norm. Um, when you enter into the workforce, again, you know, there's there are particular, uh, there's particular criteria by which you do things or how you dress or how you look mm-hmm. or what you say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as an entrepreneur, I, uh, that being an entrepreneur allowed me to be a little off center. I think that's what I probably I originally meant by that comment, meaning that that being an entrepreneur gives you the freedom to create an enterprise that could be quite different than a corporate environment. And right. that enterprise really, I believe is the, uh, culmination of your values and your vision and, um, and, and, and your desire to create this fiefdom, this benevolent fiefdom, hopefully, that you're creating that allows people to thrive along with you. So if you created a vision of whatever that looks like in terms of the company that you're trying to create, and you're trying to attract people to come join you on this vision, then basically you're building this little fiefdom that um, people work collectively and collaboratively together beneficially towards a common goal. So if you think about that, then uh, what you're doing is you're creating an environment that's very much, I believe, like you. And um, for me, that might have been a little off center in that I was always very artistic. Uh, I loved design. I loved architecture. I loved uh, anything to do with the arts. And not that that's off center, but uh, but the idea that I wanted to create an environment and and create a company that would approach accessories, both from design development, selling, marketing, however you wanted to look at it, very differently than what had been done in the past. To, so to do anything that is creative outside of the norm of what had been done in the past, if you looked at if I looked at the, my industry, which is what I did, um, and it was I thought stayed and and old and dodgy. Well, I wanted to be the rebel, so to speak. Well, if you're a rebel, you're a little bit off center, right? Right, right, right. Um, what about today, Carolee? Because you have, you have lived a long life in, in business and, and being an entrepreneur and watched women change, watched advantages happen. I mean, you know, today we don't have to get a loan um, guaranteed by our husbands, thank God. But there's still only, what, 3% of funding that goes to women's businesses. I mean, there's still a lot that stands in our way. What are your observations for women in their 40s now who are thinking about becoming entrepreneurs as a second act? Do you have any advice for them about, like, jump in and do it, it's better than ever, or, like, it's still tough, or do you have any specific observations there? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I'm not... Uh, it's funny. You would think that I probably would say jump in and do it. I, yes, I would certainly encourage every person, male or female, 
uh, if they have the uh, wherewithal to make it happen. What I mean by that is more the personal qualities to uh, create an enterprise, uh, whatever it looks like, or a not-for-profit. As an entrepreneur, I would certainly encourage that because I think being an entrepreneur gives uh, a person the ability uh, to live a life that, in my opinion, uh, is more independent and more endemic to who who you are. So I think it's more specific to what your love or your passion is or what it is that you and that you're envisioning. Uh, and I think it offers a, a freedom that is amazing. And, and by the way, most importantly, uh, it is the way most of the wealth, personal wealth has been created in this country. Mm. Um, that is through creating small businesses that become ultimately medium to large businesses and are usually or often can be purchased. And that is how most wealth has been generated. So, I think it's an opportunity, therefore, if you look at it from all different aspects, whether it's wealth creation, um, uh, ideation, uh, fulfillment of personal uh, dreams and goals and visions, uh, I would encourage anyone to become an entrepreneur. I think what I would also say, though, in, in, you know, before, and that's why I wouldn't say just jump in, I think part of it is learning, not, not necessarily, by the way, if I, I think if I had gone to business school and I've said this. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, go ahead. I don't think I would have built my business because I don't think I would have taken the kinds of risk that I took. In other words, I would have been probably schooled and taught not to do certain things that I then I I didn't have that, you know, that fear instilled in me. And therefore, I think I I took a lot more risk than um, than and I think many entrepreneurs do than than perhaps if you go to business school where where I believe you might have a, uh, a slightly different uh, infrastructure in your mind of, uh, and, and learned skills of, uh, or knowledge of what is and isn't acceptable uh, or the best decision process. Um, but um, I do think that uh, it's just important to ask a lot of questions. So if you're trying to build a business about, uh, let's say, um, You've decided that you love plants. Plants are, by the way, like one of the hot new things, as you probably know. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone wants a lot of greenery in their homes. And there's yep. a lot of, I think there's a lot of, probably a lot of opportunity around uh, botany, so to speak, or, or plant plant loving. And, and um, so let's say, you know, you wanted to create a business. Well, I, I think you need to do a fair amount of research as to what is that business. And speak to and, and outline it and define it clearly and uh, understand what the marketplace looks like currently, understand what who the market leaders are, understand where the voids might be. Um, all the, you, you just need to ask a lot of questions and do a fair amount of research before you jump in. So when you say jump in, mm-hmm. no, I think before you jump, you need just to can, you know, be quite convinced that this is a good idea. Do you feel that being an older woman today and jumping in, there are disadvantages, advantages? What's older? <laughs> 40 plus. We see ourselves as not babes. A little more, uh, you know, a little more, I don't know. A little more I'm rubber a little, beats the road. <laughs> I'm a little older than that, and I don't consider myself older. So, you know, you're asking okay. the wrong person. <laughs> okay, good. I, yeah, um, I think age is a state of mind, uh, uh-huh. but that's a whole different topic. and. Uh, but I think now, if we're going to use 40 as the cutoff, um, I, I don't think age is a factor in business at all. 
uh, if you're an entrepreneur with a good idea, it doesn't matter what your age is. What do you think of, we had a very interesting conversation last night that we were talking about um, the comparison trap. And what was interesting is some people on the call, it was a Zoom call that we do, which are like our webinars, we call them coffee and conversation. And some women were at that point in their career where they're done with one thing and they're able to, they have the means or the ability to do something different. And some of them who had done very small things or they considered small, not worldly, um, sort of impacting their community. One was in the environment and saying, you know, she loved what she did. She spent her whole life at it. She thought it was great, but she feels a little bad that she didn't do something bigger on the bigger stage. And we were all saying, well, you could probably do that now. Have you seen that or because you you were started small and then you went big and now you're, I guess, you're small and playing big. Do you have that mm -hmm. sense of, of how people square that, those edges of that square so that they feel, they don't look back and feel like, gee, I should have done something different back then. I, uh, it's funny. I, I have, uh, I don't generally look back like that. And I, uh, if I'm around people who do, I guess I encourage them not to because mm -hmm. I think everything that we've done is of value both to us and to the people around us who we have impacted in our lives. Um, whether that's family, friends, workplace, uh, we have brought uh, value, uh, meaning, love, uh, caring uh, to those that we've touched. I don't uh, like trying to uh, rate uh, or or um, put a grade on perhaps what I've done or haven't done. I think what's more important, honestly, and, uh, and I'm sure you spend a lot of time on this as well, is life is very precious. And yeah. I think to, to appreciate what you have been able to do is the most important uh, part of your life. And to appreciate uh, and be grateful for those around you who have allowed you to succeed the way you perhaps uh, have uh, and and then to consistently look forward to what you can do. So again, I'm just a great believer. I'm the quintessential entrepreneur mm -hmm. and the eternal optimist. So I'm just a great mm -hmm. believer in, okay, so today you're going to make the decision that you want to be an entrepreneur and your business plan is and X, Y, Z and you sit down and you bring that to life and, and, or you start a not-for-profit and, or you go work for a not-for-profit, whatever it might be. But I don't know that I, I don't know that I enjoy being around people who are unhappy with what they've done rather than grateful for mm -hmm. what they've done. And lastly, before we get into our last tips, what about the difference between doing a regular corporation and um, you're now doing a nonprofit? What's mm -hmm. the significant difference for you? Because a lot of businesses now are talking about being businesses, but having a nonprofit mindset because they can't attract the next generation of kids and the millennials and Zs who want them to have all of that all in one package. Mm -hmm. I think corporations today are beginning to think, uh, like you said, uh, more like B Corps or more mm -hmm. broadly about protecting uh, the values systems that more align with 
the millennial mindset. Uh, and I think all of us should be thinking that way. We need to be more focused on the environment, on uh, civility, on uh, so many issues that seem to be in, in danger today. Um, I, uh, I'm not sure that... Um, hmm. I mean, was it a deliberate decision to say, I'm, I'm going to do something different? Or was it just the nature of the work that um, you were saying, okay, if I'm going to raise all this money, it has to be a not-for-profit or... Well, I think a not-for-profit structure offers, offers a, different, um, a different way of communicating. Now let's get back to communication. Of communicating oh, okay. and, and, and achieving your goals. So whereas my first business was definitively, remember I grew up with very little, so it was a goal for me to be financially independent and to be able to offer my children um, things that I didn't have whatever those experiences might have been, or education. Um, in this, in WAM and Access Circles, I definitively wanted to see if I could make an impact that was much broader and would impact all women, uh, not only of my generation, but my daughters, granddaughters, and future generations. So my feeling is that in a not-for-profit, perhaps there are ways for us to create impact that is more, that is broader, um, and that is more for the public being, for the public uh, health. Um, and uh, that can really create uh, something that is much bigger than what you might have done through uh, your corporate life or much more meaningful. Bigger is perhaps not exactly the right word, mm -hmm. but I do think the impact of WAM will be ultimately quite significant. Great. Mm -hmm. right. So as we close, um, You've given a lot of great tips already. Do you have one or two tips to leave our listeners with if they are trying to reinvent the way you did, and I guess in a nonprofit, or potentially are thinking of looking for an exit um, for their own business and trying to think of what's next? I know that's a problem as well. Do you have any sort of yeah, pithy I think, tips? Yeah, I think I have. <laughs> Yeah, I think I have a couple. Um, the first is I'm a I'm just and I think we all are. I'm just a great list maker, and I would start making a list, and I would I would keep refining that list of things that you love to talk about, read about, be involved with, and and do, because ultimately that list should lead you to some of the things that you're passionate about. Uh, so it might be the arts, it might be uh, kids in need, it might be. Uh, community gardening. It, there could be just a, a host of different things. Continuing to make that list and then refining it hopefully leads you then uh, to something that you would want to explore further. And if you want to explore it further, then I think the next part is ask for help. Now, I found mm. that this is one of the biggest things that none of us do. Yeah, we it's all hard. feel like, okay, right, it's hard. You know, okay, I should really know that. I'm embarrassed. Right. Uh, whatever it might be, ask for help. People want to offer advice and, and their wisdom. And some of the best help will come from, you know, strangers that, you know, people you don't know, but who are experts in a field who might just want to help you uh, think through what it is that you're uh, trying to assess. So ask for help, I think is one of the real key ones. So make a list of your items and areas that you're passionate about, ask for help. And then I, I think the next one is 
test things that you would never have dreamed about. So move to a new city. <laughs> I'm getting lots uh, of ideas by doing it. I have to tell you, it like it just opens. It opens because you're you're new and you're seeing things that they can't see. Exactly. So try and test things. Okay. So if, if maybe if it's not as bold as moving to a new city, do something. Go take a course in um, filmmaking because you love film. But not that that's bizarre. But uh, you know, when when was the last time you were in a classroom? So right. maybe maybe something like that could be of interest uh, to you. Go work in a nursery. Uh, right. Go work in a shelter. Go test things that you would never ordinarily have done just to see what it feels like. Yeah, I think it's the get out of your skin thing. Um, get out of mm-hmm. your comfort zone that really, it, it, it opens up your eyes. You see things that you would not normally see. When you mm-hmm. are comfortable, your eyes are very limited in what they see and your ears are limited in what you hear. And when you are, you know, when you're pushed out, you are, I guess all your nerve endings are, are feeling around and they're totally. coming up with stuff, right? Those That's exactly right. Great, excellent tips. You are a wonderful interview. Thank you. And you're so welcome. Carolee, we'll, uh, we'll post links to Access Circles as well with this. And everybody can find you. Is it accesscircles.com? For some reason, I didn't. It is. It is. .com. It is. Okay. It is. And, and, and also wham, whamnow.org. And uh, people can look you up there and we'll also post it in the show notes. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. And you are going to help a lot of people figure out what they want to do next. Thank you. Hope so. Okay. So I want to thank you all for joining us on this podcast today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Carol Lee. I hope that it was inspirational. I hope you got tips and tricks and things that you can start with tomorrow. And I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast. And if you like what you hear, will you please give us some stars and a little review? That's the only way other women are going to find us. And also come join the Covey Club. If you are of this mindset, we are all about helping women find their bliss and live the best half of their lives at this point. It's called CoveyClub.com. Come over and learn about our Covey Connect app where you can geolocate members and get to know them for business or friendship nearby or when you travel. Anyway, I thank you for listening and I hope that you will join us again next week for Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. Take care.